You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. We're starting a new series today. Uh, as Pastor Jordan mentioned, love one another. And um, it's going to be a series on relationships. And uh, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. When COVID hit, uh, especially uh, at the beginning, everybody didn't think it was going to last so long. And we were locked in in, you know, sort of mid-late March. We thought, oh, it's kind of a nice holiday away from work kind of a thing. And the, you know, the first few weeks were good. And then, then, then it started to get long. Amen? started to get really long. And here we are uh, now back in phase two here in York Region. But it got me thinking about relationships, and I started reading articles about what COVID was doing in terms of relationships, that, uh, that there was a physical abuse was on the rise, that tension in marriages was on the rise, that, that people were getting lonely, that, that relationships in effect, were, were being impacted, that mental health was, being, was really being touched in a deep way, and it wasn't going away. And so it got me thinking about doing this series, and I'm finally getting around to it now. So uh, looking forward to this. Love one another. Uh, God is love, we know that, and we know that as His children... We're called to love God and we're called to love others as much as we love ourselves. That is the classic golden rule. We know that this is who we're supposed to be. The Bible goes on to say um, in 1 Corinthians 13, we read it a week or so ago, that without love we're nothing. We can have, we, we can have the gift of prophecy. We can have all knowledge. We can be great and mighty, but without love we're nothing. So it's really, really important to be growing in this. It's the, it's the first fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned, and we, we know and all would agree that it's important that we grow in this fruit of the Spirit. So today, <laughs> okay, so you're going to still love me after, all right? But I'm just, uh, I, when you talk about relationships, you got to talk about, you know, marriage and parenting and things like that, and sometimes Sometimes when I'm standing up here, I know that I'm poking around right in the middle of your kitchen, so to speak, right? But uh, I want you to know that um, I, I, I do it in love, and I want you to receive it in love. And everybody said amen. That you'll love me when I'm finished this series. Everybody said amen. That's in faith. That's in faith. Yeah. So today, I want to start with something very, very foundational uh, by talking about marriage, but, and not just, we're going to get into some other marriage stuff later, but today I want to talk about marriage as, as being one of the most important human relationships that we could possibly have in our lives. And I don't think we would disagree with that. We all know that it takes commitment, that it takes grace, it takes compromise, it takes forgiveness, it takes understanding, it takes all these things to have a good marriage. I read this story this week, this little joke, and it says a husband was told by a marriage counselor that he, he needed to really work at being more considerate towards his wife. And so one day he, he came home from work 
early and he, he was dressed up in a suit. He had cologne on and he, he has a, a bouquet of flowers and a box of candy in his hands and he rings the doorbell and he's standing there as his wife opens the door and he holds out the flowers and the box of candy to her. And as she opens the door and takes one look at him, she starts to cry. And in between her sobs, she says, I can't believe it. Little Johnny has been throwing up. The dishwasher just broke. Your parents are coming over for the weekend. And to top it all off, you come home drunk. (laughs) Marriage takes a little bit of work. Takes a little bit of compromise and a little bit of love. It's been said that if love is blind then marriage is the eye-opener. If love is a dream, then marriage is the alarm clock. And uh, you're laughing because you know it's true. There's, now, just before uh, I get on with this too, I wanted to take just a, a, a small left turn to say this. Just a note to say that if you're single today, you're not a second-class citizen. Everybody said amen. Sometimes... Single people can feel that way, but it's not true, and they should never, never be treated or thought of that way. In fact, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that he wished everybody was single like him. Paul was single, and he wished everybody was single like him. Each person, but he went on to say, but each person has their own special gift. There are some people in this world who don't need a spouse and who don't want a spouse. I have met them. They exist. They are real. They are walking on planet Earth. And uh, they have been given that special gift that Paul had. So there's, there's those people out there, and they are contributors, powerful contributors to the kingdom of God. There are benefits of being single uh, when it comes to the work of God. I don't want to get into it, but, but uh, you, you, you can guess what those, some of those might be. There There's also second if you're single. Uh, Some people are single not because they've been given the gift of singleness, but but just because they haven't met somebody yet. And I I wanted to just say a word quick. If you're single and you want to get married, can you just relax, please? Just relax. Live righteously. Trust God. If you really need a mate, if it's really in the plan of God for you, he will provide one. Remember the scripture, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and he will give you what? Everything you need. Is that what it says? Yeah, that's, that's what it says. Trust me. Keep working on being the best version of yourself. If you're single, keep working on being the best version of yourself. You will, you, you will not go wrong in doing so and when you finally find someone or God drops somebody into your life, you'll be better prepared and your marriage will be stronger for it. So continue to work on being that uh, best version of yourself. You know, if you have that need and you have that want, then I, I tell people, trust God with the timing of all the details. Just relax and trust God. Keep living for God. Keep doing all the right things and uh, just keep sowing good seed and it'll it'll come back to you in the right time. 
The other thing that needs to be mentioned too when you talk about marriage is those who are divorced, and I, I realize that this can be an incredibly touchy subject, but I want to just say this right from the start as we begin this series. Divorced people are not second-class citizens, just like we believe single people are not second-class citizens. And I'm sorry if you've ever been treated that way. There are so many variables that go into the breakup of a marriage that it, it's, it's an astronomical number that can't even really be figured out. The grace and the forgiveness of God covers all of us as believers. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm not up here to condemn people. You know my heart. That's not what we do. We're not here to condemn people. But what I'm here today to do is to lift up God's will for our marriages. And if you're married now, this is the point, if you're married now, God wants it to last. And so should you. And every person in the house who's married and every person online should be saying amen. Amen. God wants it to last. That's His will for you. So let me give you, let me give you the Scripture and then uh, we're going to uh, get into this today. Mark chapter 10. It says, Then Jesus left uh, Capernaum and went down to the region of Judea and into the area east of the Jordan River. Once again, crowds gathered around him, and as usual, he was teaching them. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them with a question, what did Moses say in the law about divorce? Well, he permitted it, they replied. He said a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus responded, he wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. But God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one, since they are no longer two but one Yes, go ahead. Let no one split apart. Good thing I know the scripture, eh? Good thing. That, let no one split apart what God has joined together. This is what Jesus says in response. So let me give you, let me give you a little background of this passage. So the, the passage is talking about Jesus uh, being, uh, again, mobbed by a crowd, and he does what he always does, and he begins to teach them. And as he's teaching them, doesn't say what he was talking about at all, but as he was teaching them, the Pharisees come up and they ask him a trick question. Uh, they're trying to get Jesus to say something that they could use against him. So, by the way, divorce was common in those days, uh, but it was still controversial, especially with the Jews. Romans would, would get married and divorce multiple times. Uh, they talk about uh, Romans, uh, Roman men and women getting married 8, 10, 12 times a year. They would just get married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced. That's what they did. The Jews, the, the Jews did it as well, but not as often, and it was a little more controversial uh, with, uh, with the Jews than it was with the Romans. And with the Jews, there was basically two schools of thought when it came to this topic. Uh, some rabbis taught that divorce was only permitted in the case of immorality, 
and, and they stood on that ground. Other uh, rabbis didn't believe that, and they said that you could divorce for any reason at all. If your wife burns your food, you can divorce her. Not, 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 they would say things like that. If, you know, now we would say if she burnt your toast, you could kick her out, kind of a thing. And so there was these huge extremes, right? And, and as you could imagine, it was, a, it was a debatable topic. People were picking sides. Not that people pick sides today on, on you know, debatable topics, you know, but, but back then they did. And so they were picking sides. And so the Pharisees come up and ask Jesus this question because they want to trap him. They want to get him to say something and pick a side. Because if he picks a side, then he'll get the other side all upset with him. And so it's a trick question right from the start. It's not a sincere question. They're not really wanting an answer. They're just trying to trap him. Now, the other, th the other thing that people talk about in this passage uh, is that Jesus is now, why it explains where Jesus was in Judea, east of the river, blah, 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 is saying that Jesus is now in the territory of Herod. Now, if you know anything about Herod, Herod was the guy who committed adultery, he divorced his wife, and then he married his brother's wife, Herodias. Um, in fact, in Mark chapter 6, put that up for me. Here's a little, a little snip of it. It says, For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John, this is John the Baptist, as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, It is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So John the Baptist is telling Herod, listen, dude, you've done the wrong thing here. This isn't appropriate what you've done. And when he confronts Herod about it, he literally loses his head. Okay? Literally. Herod was not the one who wanted to do it. It was his wife. She hated John the Baptist and didn't want him going around talking like that. And so she had John the Baptist, uh, she put her husband under pressure and he beheaded John the Baptist just because he confronted them over uh, their sin. And so here, as you could imagine, Jesus is now right in the territory of Herod and Herodias. And some believe, and logically so, that the Pharisees are questioning Jesus about divorce. Why divorce at this particular time? And in this particular place, well, there's a good chance they're hoping that he's going to say something that would upset Herod. Everything would, you know, would go back to Herod. He would hear what Jesus would say. And, of course, Jesus is so smart. Wouldn't you, just once, isn't it lovely when you have the perfect response? Has ever happened in your life? You know, someone asks you a question, you just, you just, you just shut them up with the perfect response. Jesus was amazing at that. So anyway, instead of getting drawn into the controversy, Jesus responds and answers their question with another question. And they're dumb enough to answer it, right? This is the, he's just always a step ahead. So he answers their question with a question. He says, well, tell me, what did Moses say about divorce? And he, he points them back to the Bible, which is, which is kind of a, a, an important little small nugget here in this story. It, he was saying, listen, what does the word say? What does God say? I don't care what the rabbis on the left say or the rabbis on the right say. 
what does God say, right? And so he's pointing them back to the Bible, and they, re- they respond and say, well, Moses said it was okay. Moses permitted it. And then Jesus tries to give them insight and correction into, the, uh, into their understanding by explaining that the law Moses gave was not actually in support of divorce. He was actually trying to restrain it. He was trying to corral it. He was trying to make it not so, not so popular of a thing to do. And it was so easy back then and so rampant that Moses gave regulations to slow it down and to make sure, by the way, that a wife who got divorced wasn't left destitute. Husbands who imagine, husbands who didn't want their wife could kick her out onto the street and she has nowhere to go and nothing to her name and she's absolutely in a massive jam. Her life is just exploded in a bad way. So he gives all these these regulations to try to slow divorce down, to make people rethink it again, and also to protect women so that they wouldn't be thrown out in total despair. So Jesus also says these words. He says, he wrote this command as a concession to your hard hearts. This is why he wrote these things. So he then goes on, And he turns the discussion away from divorce. He said, basically, he says this. He's not really interested in talking about or debating divorce. I want want to bring you back to the Bible. What is God's original intent for marriage? So uh, the sermon today, I'm calling the sermon today, Leave and Cleave. Okay, say that with me. Leave and Cleave. And this is what Jesus, uh, this is where he points them back to. He takes them all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 6. This is what he says. He says, but God made them male and female from the beginning of creation. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. So here's the leave part, all right, in our leave and cleave. When you get married... You're supposed to leave. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to move far away. It doesn't mean that you have to ignore your parents. It doesn't mean that you have to refuse to spend time with them. That's nonsense. You know that. But what he's talking about here in the leaving is a change in priority, right? You get that? He's talking about a change. There's a change in priority when you get married. You are creating a new family unit, and that now becomes your focus. Your spouse becomes that number one person in your life. That there should be a rearranging of your relationships when you get married, not just with your parents, but with your friends as well. This becomes your top priority. Somebody said amen. That was weak, even with masks on, right? There, there is a rearranging of your relationships when you get married. Your spouse should never have to compete with your parents, and your spouse should never have to compete with your friends. There's a clear number one in your life besides Jesus, okay? I'm just, you know, you know what I'm saying. Jesus is always number one in all of our lives. But in terms of our human relationships, There's now a new number one in your life, and your spouse is that person. 
And it's a big change for everybody, by the way. A couple gets married and now they have to leave, meaning, meaning maybe they still live in your house even, maybe they still live in your town, but they're leaving in the sense of prioritizing something different. They're creating something anew. So there's a rearranging that happens. And parents must let go. Crickets, crickets, hear crickets? Parents, we must let go. And we must support and encourage the establishment of a new family. That's your responsibility as a parent. And uh, remember, by the way, parents, we're trying to work ourselves out of a job here. So, you know, you raise your children to the point where they are competent, where they're capable, where they're ready, they're smart, they're able to do life on their own. And the bird leaves the nest, right? The bird starts their own family and uh, life moves on. And uh, parents, we need to let that happen. And we need to not be trying to control or dominate our kids when the priority is for your kids to leave and to create a new family unit. Somebody said yes, right? This is what we need to do. So parents, of course, will always be a very important part of our lives, always, always. And it's important. We honor our parents. We're thankful for our parents. All of that good stuff. But the relationship does need to change. And it's healthy that it does change. In fact, it's not healthy if it doesn't change. Um, let me uh, tell you this little story. Um, I, I heard this story about a mother and a father who gave their daughter away in marriage. They celebrated, had a big wedding, and, uh, and sent them off. And after their honeymoon, the daughter and, and uh, her new husband, they moved far away, several provinces away. And a few weeks later, the phone rang, and the mother answered, and it was their daughter, and she was in tears because she and her husband had just had their first fight. And the daughter asked if she could speak to her dad. And so he took the phone. He went into another room to talk to his little girl. He came back in about 10 minutes, and uh, when he came back out, his wife said, well, what, what did she say? And the father said, she and her husband uh, had a big fight, and she wants to come home. And after a moment of silence, the mom said, well, what did you say? And the father said, I told her she is home. Work it out. And I was like, yes, that's right. She is home. That's her new home and her new priority. So we have to leave. And parents, we need to let them leave and encourage them to leave in that sense. So the next is leave or cleave or join. Uh, put up for me Mark 10, 7 to 9, where it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one since they are no longer two but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. This is the cleaving part. It's good King James language. The word join here, it means to cling to, to adhere to, to stick to. And it has actually the idea of being welded together so that the two cannot be separated without damaging both. Isn't that interesting? That when two people are made one, 
that they can't be separated without damaging both. And I think we would, we would uh, see the logic in that. God has actually glued you together, married people. He's glued you together so that you are one. And um, this oneness, uh, it, it refers to everything in terms of its oneness and unity emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. In all ways, you become one. Did you know God's, God's math for marriage? Uh, this is deep, so deep. Oh, you're going to want to write this down, so deep. But God's math for marriage is one plus one equals one. That's God's math for marriage. One plus one equals one. This is what he intends us to be like. Um, <laughs> there, was a, there was this young man who saw an elderly couple, a very elderly couple, sitting down having lunch at McDonald's. And he noted that they had, or, they had only ordered one meal and, and an extra cup. And so he watched as the older man carefully divided the hamburger in half, and he counted out the fries, one for him, one for her, one for him, one for her, until each of them had exactly half. And then he poured half of the drink into the cup and set everything in front of his wife. And then the man began to eat, and the wife just sat there watching him with her hands folded in her lap. And the young man couldn't help but notice, and he decided to come over and, and ask them if they would please allow him to purchase a, another meal for them so that they wouldn't have to split theirs. And the old guy said, it's okay, don't worry about it. We've been married a very long time, and everything we do has always been and always will be shared. We do everything 50-50. And then the young man said to the wife, well, uh, are you not going to eat? And she replied, not yet. It's his turn with the teeth. I just thought that was so funny. COVID, I love it. Yeah. That's legit one right there. Legit one. Honey, I'm not that one yet. <laughs> Becoming one, it's a process, isn't it? Seriously. Those of us that have been married a while, some have been married um, a long time, some are newly married, some are somewhere in the middle. But becoming one is a process. It's always intrigued me that old couples start to look like each other. Why does that happen? Seriously. I just feel like they've become one in such a way that now they even look like each other. And I think that's awesome, by the way. I'm not poking fun at that. I literally think it's awesome. So it's this process of we leave and we start our own family unit. We get the support and the love and the encouragement and the wisdom from our parents, and we begin this new unit together. And now this, this process of becoming one, one plus one equals one in God's math, and it's a process that seems to continue on through the years, and it's a beautiful thing that happens. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, it says, As the scriptures say, 
a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. Even Paul says it right here to the Ephesians. Two people becoming one in marriage is a great mystery. Even Paul says that, which I find very intriguing. One plus one equals one. That's God's math for marriage. And Paul says, people, this is a mystery how this happens. But it does. Marriage, they describe marriage as a covenant, not a contract in God's eyes. That in a contract, there's a difference now. In, in a contract, two parties remain separate. They're, 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 they're tied together, but they remain separate uh, I describe it like oil and water. So you can put them in the same container, you can shake them together, but in a very short period of time, they will separate and you can see the separation. And I describe it as this. So that's a contract, like oil and water. There's something here on the ground, sorry that I keep stepping on. Now I'm not going to step on anymore. Um, but a, co a covenant is different. So if a, if a contract is like oil and water, a, a covenant is like mashed potatoes. I'm just, give you a, 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 just trying to give you a word picture, okay? So they are so put together that in effect they are one. You don't know where one potato starts and the next one begins. They're one. They're mashed together. So married couple... Your marriage should look like mashed potatoes, not like oil and water. Someone said amen. Mashed potatoes is what you're shooting for. Mashed potatoes. Um, I read this story about this couple who had been married a long time, well over 50 years. And the husband was asked, what's the secret to a long, successful marriage? And he, and he answered one word. He answered one word, which really touched me as I read this story. He said one word. He said Jesus. That's all he said. What's the, what's the secret to a long, happy marriage? And he looked up and he said, Jesus. He believed that their commitment to Jesus personally, both he and his wife, and, and he believed that Jesus being being invited into their marriage and into their home and, and, and just a being such an integral part of their lives. He, I, I added this word, but he believed that they, that he, they were literally mashed together. Ha <laughs> ha. Thanks, uh, thanks, uh, small joke. But, but this, is, this is what he does. When we leave, we begin to cleave. One plus one equals one. We are not oil and water. Our lives start to intricately be woven into each other so that we can't really even imagine being apart. That you lose your spouse, it's like you've lost yourself. And this is why it's so damaging when people lose their spouse. You understand how heartbreaking that is and how difficult that is? I, I can only imagine. And this, this, is, this is why. Because if somebody leaves and cleaves well, 
then the sorrow of losing the spouse is a deeper loss than you could ever imagine. And this is a truth today that uh, is, a, is, is powerful. When our lives come together as one, uh, that there's something unique about it, something powerful about it, so, something Paul said, a, 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 an incredible scholar like Paul said, it's a mystery how it happens. But it is a wonderful mystery and a beautiful thing to see happen in our lives. So God brings us together. Jesus brings us together in amazing ways. Uh, just as we wrap up, pull up for me uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It says, two people are better off than one, uh, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Extra blankets, I guess. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Do you understand today my point that the original design of marriage is that we become one and that Jesus is the third cord. Do you understand? He's the third cord. And when he becomes wrapped around us as the, uh, the other two, the third cord makes the marriage better. The third cord makes the marriage stronger. Someone said amen. Like the more you personally commit to Jesus, the better off you'll be in all ways, personally, relationally. It, it just works that way. He makes us better versions of ourselves. And so it makes common sense that when he's involved in our lives and in our marriage, it makes our marriage better. I read this week that a big workhorse, uh, those big jumbo guys, um, they can pull as much as 8,000 pounds. Um, but I was really intrigued to, to go on to read that if two of those big workhorses are hitched, hitched, by the way, and hitched, you know, marriage sometimes is described as getting hitched, right? So one horse can pull 8,000 pounds, but two horses hitched together can pull 32,000 pounds. They can pull four times as much when they're hitched together. I thought that was awesome. A good marriage has good rewards, my friends. When couples pull together, they can become a powerful force for good. They can impact lives, they can raise good children, and they can be a force for the kingdom of God. This is what we're shooting for. So if you're married, be vigilant to guard the vows that you made. And by the way, I still love, and I've done, I don't even know how many weddings in my life, and I still like to do them. Um, and I still love to use some of the old school classic vows because they're, uh, to me, they're so powerful. When, when two people are standing up, you know, in front of their witnesses, in front of the minister, but mostly in front of God, they make vows to each other and say, for better, for worse. We're together. For richer, for poorer, we're together. 
in sickness and in health, we're, we're together. We are joining here today, and the process of our joining is going to have its bumps and its rides, but we are committed to live out these vows and to see the love of God worked out, that we are going to make it. And uh, I think it's a really powerful thing. So if you're married, be vigilant to guard the vows that you said. It doesn't matter how long ago you said them, you said them. And you said them in front of your witnesses, you said them in front of a pastor, and you said them in front of God, the mo- the, uh, 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 and the, most, the most important person. And so be determined to live those out Be determined to leave and to cleave well. You will enjoy the benefits of a good marriage. You will enjoy the benefits of a good home. You will prosper when your marriage prospers. Someone said amen. This is how it's supposed to be. So Jesus didn't want to get caught up in a big big debate about divorce and how you can divorce and how you should divorce. He goes, look, what does the word say? Get right back to when God formed, he made male and female in his image. And he joined them together and said, my desire is for you to be joined together and that let no man pull this apart. This is God's plan, original plan for marriage. And so if we're married today, this, this the goal, the, the, the absolute goal is this is the last marriage you'll ever have. Amen. This, we're, we're in all the way. And so I encourage you to, to take these vows seriously. Um, there's a little poem, and with this I'll close. A guy by the name of Perry Tanksley wrote this, and he said this. He said, I once thought marriage took just two to make a go, but now I'm convinced that it takes the Lord also. And not one marriage fails when Christ is asked to enter as lovers come together with Jesus at the center. But marriage seldom thrives and homes are incomplete till he is welcomed there to help avoid defeat. In homes where God is first, it's obvious to see those unions really work for marriage still takes three. Let's stand together. We're going to poke around in this topic of relationships and not just marriage. There's work relationships, children relationships, and we're going to poke around here for a few more weeks. But I wanted to start with this because it's such a key thing in our lives that there are a lot of us who are married and there's a lot of ups and downs in life, especially Uh, with COVID as being an extra strain on some of our lives. But I wanted to just encourage us today. Let's serve God and let's serve our spouse and let's be committed to make our marriage work. It's going to take some compromise. It's going to take some love. And it's going to take some work. But we're in all the way. And everybody said, amen. So let's just do it and let's live for him and be, you know, when uh, Hollywood talks about a power couple, you know, uh, like two movie stars get married and sometimes you, you hear them described on the news as power couples. You ever heard that? The real power couples in life 
are not those people. Get it, get it right. The real power couples are those that have the third braid, the third cord, and his name is. Those are the real power couples. Let's bow and pray. Father, thank you today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for each person, Lord, that's here today. Thank you for each person that's watching, Lord, from home, live, and those that will watch later this week. We ask, Lord, that you would please help us, whether we're single, whether we're married, whatever our, case, whatever our particular case may be. Lord, we want to be men and women of God. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to live, Lord, lives that please you. And so I ask you today, Lord, for a blessing on every home and on every marriage in particular. Lord, tie us close. Be that third cord in our home that wraps our lives together. Lord, continue the process of joining. One plus one equals one. May that be, Lord, who we really are and who we really are becoming. So thank you today. Father, I pray, Lord, for the healing of every marriage. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be forgiving. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be understanding. I pray that you would help us to be kind and compassionate. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to think of the other, not just think of ourselves. I pray, Lord, that you would make our marriages strong, that the enemy would not be allowed in to do his work, to destroy us and to pull us apart, but that the Spirit of God would be our covering, our protector, and our hedge, that you are not allowed into our home, and that only, only the Spirit of God is allowed into our home. And so help us, Lord, help us to love one another like we should. Help us to grow in this, and help this fruit of the Spirit to be just uh, a, a very powerful force that drives us in our lives in every relationship that we have. And thank you today, Father. Bless every marriage. Strengthen every marriage. And may, Lord, as, we're, as you are committed to us, may we be committed to you and to each other. Thank you, Father, today. We love you and we bless you. Lord, just as we pray, just, it just hit me today. If there are those, Lord, today that have lost a spouse, if there's those, Lord, that are struggling in terms of being single, Lord, we pray for them as well. Pray, Lord, that the strength, the power, the grace, the mercy of God would be poured out on all of us today. This is, Lord, a difficult path to walk for some. And so we ask you for your wisdom and for your favor and for your strength. Thank you that you are the lover of our souls. And thank you that you know how to look after your own. So we ask you today, Lord, to look after us and to help us to grow in love. We love you, Lord, and help us to love you more. Thank you for all that you are and thank you for all that you've done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.